Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Hey, you can probably tell it's been a little bit of a rough week in our home as far as sickness goes, right? Uh, my voice might give out. I'm praying that it, uh, like God says what he wants to this morning. Um, it's also a week that I decided um, I'm trying to always grow in preaching and what I do. Not like just as a, uh, to deliver better or whatever, but I want to keep growing. And I want to be mo- a model of somebody who keeps growing to you because I think you should keep growing. Um, and that's not just a, I don't think it's just that I got to do better. I think I want to grow up in God. I want to learn how to walk with him better. And I want to be able to communicate that better. And so one of the things, um, one of the things that I decided to work on this week, and it might have been a bad decision uh, just because I I feel like I'm walking in a little bit of a fog this morning, is I tried to go mostly without notes. (laughs) We'll see how that goes, okay? I'm just going to, like, open up the Bible. I scribbled in here a little bit, and I'm going to talk, and we're going to, I'm going to kind of present that at the altar and then walk away. Um, So we'll see how that goes. Um, I want to start with a question have you ever been given a challenge that you didn't want to accept? Have you ever been given a challenge that you just didn't want to accept, even if you thought it was a good challenge? Right? Um, you ever been given a challenge that you felt like was coming from God that you didn't want to accept? When Elena was born, she's 11 now, uh, so about 11 years ago, um, we had just brought her home. It was like within the first couple uh, week or two that she was at home. Leslie's parents had come from Ohio to visit. We, were, we had a front porch, like a sun porch out on the front of our house. It was uh, like a three-season room. When it was sunny in the winter, it would warm up, but otherwise frigid. We are sitting out there in August enjoying dinner, and I had this neighbor across the street that I'm going to refrain from nicknames I would give him or words that I would have for him because I didn't like him. Um, And about the time that we were eating dinner, he had this habit of, like, opening his front door and throwing an M80 into his next-door neighbor's yard. If you know what an M80 is, it's like a little bit of stick of dynamite, like tiny little bomb that he threw into his neighbor's terrace, and it... And then he laughed, and they're sitting on the front porch like, what was that? And I am mad. Like, mad, because I got a baby now, and we just got her to sleep. And you know, you know, if you've got a baby and they go to sleep, you don't want her waking up. Not with a bomb, at least. (laughs) Right? By the way, you know, like, Dave and LaToya just had a baby? Did you hear that? They said I could share that, so that's not like me just spreading gossip or whatever, like somebody else's news. It could be. It's all over. They had their baby, biggin', like, big baby. Uh, if you want the details, I'll just tell you, she's got a belly button and a really cool name. If you want more than that, you can talk to Dave and LaToya. Anyway, we had a baby, and she was sleeping. My neighbor throws a bomb in the front yard, and I got mad. And I stood up from dinner. My in-laws were there, and I just kind of marched across the street, like, uh, walk on a mission kind of thing. And I walked straight up to the guy's... Uh, front steps. He's ex-military, maybe not ex, um, 
and I walked right up to him. And by the time I was like halfway across the street, I started talking at him and telling him how much I enjoyed what he just did. <laughs> and I got to, uh, I got right up to him. I was like, we have a baby, and you're throwing off bombs. And he's like, I didn't know you had a baby. And he's like, it's like, well, I'm telling you I have a baby. Don't do that. And we had some words. I called him dude. He didn't like that at all. He had some words with me. It ended up saying, me just kind of toe-to-toe with this big dude saying, if you ever do that again, I will call the police. And he said, if you ever come here again, you won't have to call the police because I'll call an ambulance. And I was like, deal. And I, I didn't know what to do to that. I just stuck out my hand to shake, like, fair enough. And he took my hand and we shook on it. <laughs> and I walked away. And I walked back to the dinner table unless he's like, you just yelled at him. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I did. And I was hot. Like, you've, you've had an adrenaline surge. Like, I was shaking. And I couldn't take it. There was some level of embarrassment, like, is my father-in-law, is he okay with what I just did? And there's some level of, I can't believe that guy just did that. And I just, I eventually told Leslie, I'm either going to cry or I'm going to hit something. I need to call a friend. And I called a friend, and we went on a walk. And I'm just, like, puking to him. Like, what just happened? And he said, I wonder if you should invite him over for dinner sometime. (laughs) No. No, not going to do that. Not going to do that. You ever had a challenge that you didn't want to accept? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you candidly, um, that might have been a good challenge, but we lived there for 12 years. I never invited them to dinner. And, and that may have been a mistake. I'll be open with you and honest with you. But I had enough in me to say, kind of done right now, Okay kind of done. And if, if it seems like a door opens, I'll take it. Otherwise, we're good with that handshake. Jonah is a book where we get a challenge, and I don't want to accept it. And then what do you do with that? So Jonah is one of the minor prophets. I'm going to give you a little tease. What I want you to hold on to, and we'll come back to the end of it, is I want you to remember the words from, to, for, and with. Okay, from, to, for, and with. And that's part of Jonah's journey. I think it could be part of our journey. Uh, journey. Jonah's a minor prophet. It's, it's only 58 verses long. Okay, Th- uh, four chapters. And Habakkuk that we talked about last week was this conversation between Habakkuk and God. The role of the prophet was to hear from God and to say it. That's as simple as it uh, can be broken down to. To hear a word from the Lord and to share it with whomever he says, I want you to say this to that person or this group. Jonah is called to the Ninevites. And uh, the book only contains, depending on translation, we're in the ESV this morning, eight words of direct prophecy from Jonah. Where Jonah says, this is what God's word is for you. The rest of it is a combination of narrative and conversation, or narrative and prayer. So chapter 1 is uh, the call to Jonah and what he does with it. Chapter 2 is a responsive prayer out of what just happened. Chapter 3 is a call again to Jonah to say, I want you to do this thing, and we're told what happens. 
and then chapter 4 is a conversation between Jonah and God. That's sort of the cadence, is narrative, conversation, narrative, conversation. Life and death seems to be a theme all over Jonah. From Jonah himself to the sailors that Jonah um, uh, does some business with to the Ninevites and even like a plant at the end. Um, The good news or the gospel contained in Jonah is we get to see how God thinks about people and about this world and even about animals. We get to see what God thinks. So I want to read a little bit, and I want to I do some of this kind of back and forth. Let's get into Jonah, and let's stop and talk about what's going on. Are you guys okay with that? Before we do that, let's just uh, put it down and pray. God, I thank you that you are alive, and I think that you're active, and I thank you that you speak today. Holy Spirit, I'm thankful that your presence is here right now. And I trust you that you will give us what you want us to hear, that you will move in us what you want to move, that you will help us to respond in ways that you are calling us. I pray today that we would hear an invitation. And I pray also um, that we'd hear a challenge wrapped up in relationship, wrapped up in the invitation. Help us us to be beers and doers. You do with us what you want. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jonah starts. Jonah starts. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish and the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Let's stop. There's a lot going on in there, right? God shows up and he calls to Jonah and he says, I want you to go to Nineveh. Where's Nineveh? Who's Nineveh? Nineveh is um, maybe the the capital city of Assyria. Assyria bad. If you want to know how bad, like I can't even describe it, they boasted about their cruelty. It's R-rated. They would have parades of heads carried by those heads' friends. And they would brag about it. They would put up statues with carvings showing dismemberment. I read one time, I read one thing this week that said they would uh, they'd leave people alive while they did things to them so they could shake their hand at the end of it as a way to just brag on their cruelty. When God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, he's telling Jonah to risk his life. Because he's saying, go preach against it. Like, go stand up and say, stop it. You ever, you ever had the experience of going up to a bully and saying, stop it? Like, I remember in elementary school, a bully stole our kickball on the playground, and, like, something welled up in me, and I went up to him, and I said, give us our ball back. And he's like, no. And I just started crying. <laughs> like, it was so intense 
that it took everything out of me. This is way bigger than a kickball. Like, Jonah, go preach against Nineveh. No, 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 no. And if they, if they did somehow say yes to his message, he's got to go back home to his neighbors and say, wait, what? You, you help them? So he's like in this catch-22. If I follow God, I could lose my life. If I do that and then I come home, like my neighbors are going to be ticked at me. So Jonah does what I've done. Jonah does, I'm pretty sure, what you've done in the past. He goes the opposite way. Can we throw this map up on the screen? Here's where Jonah is, right here. And he goes, he goes to Joppa. So this is not far. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh, right here. Jonah says, mm, Tarshish. <laughs> hey, it's like five times as far the journey. I'm going to go as far. This is, so Tarshish is right before you get to the big ocean, right? The Mediterranean Sea was the great sea of the day. That's as, about as far as the world went. He literally went to the end of the world to get away from the challenge that God was bringing on him. You ever done that? Have you ever run from God as far as you could and said, ain't no way I'm doing that? But, verse 4, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. And then it says, uh, the sailors got afraid and Jonah's in the bottom of the boat sleeping. He's like, finally, I got away. God's not going to get me here. And like the storm is going on and the sailors come down and they're like, do you know what's going on? We can't do anything. We can't figure it out. And they draw straws, and it lands on Jonah like he's the reason. And God's using, like, random drawstrawing to show what is going on. And Jonah says, Jonah's, a, like, he, he's honest. And he says, it's me. I'm running from God. You're all praying to your gods. And they say, well, wait, who's your God? And I love Jonah's response. He said, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. That's verse 9. Jonah knows who God is. Jonah's not doubting God. Jonah's not doubting himself. He's just saying, no. No, I don't want to do it. And they say, who are you? He said, I worship the God who created all of this. He created the storm. And they're like, mm, that's a problem. And they try to do everything they could to... Help Jonah. Like, they're throwing stuff off. They don't want to just throw him out. And when it finally is made clear, nothing is going to stop this, they say, he, he volunteers and he says, throw me off. You, the problem is me. You throw me off. And um, it'll be okay. And they pray to God. God, please don't hold us responsible for this man's death. We don't want to do that. He's saying it. Kind of sounds like a good idea at this point. We're out of options. Please... Please, they throw them up, and the storm stops. And you know what happens? Like, they believe in God. It says the sailors turned around and made sacrifices to the Lord. The sailors, because of Jonah's disobedience, but then honesty about it, gave themselves to God, the true God. 
Like, let's just stop. Most of the times that I've read Jonah, I've had a bad attitude toward Jonah. Jonah's been like, he's the reluctant prophet, right? He doesn't want to do it. He runs from God. And I've kind of, like, I've dogged on Jonah quite a bit. And in chapter 4, he starts whining. But people get saved out of his disobedience. People meet God while he's running away from God. That's powerful. Even as he runs from God, he's able to say, like, I know who God is. I'm not following him right now, but, and it's enough for them. They see enough that they say, our lives are going to be changed. God cares about the sailors. Who knew if God was orchestrating the whole thing and God's saying, you're going to run from me? Fine, I'll use that. I'll use that for the sailors. Like, you're going to interact with them? Here you go. I can use that. I can use that a lot. And the image that I've had of God is one of kind of anger. You don't read anger in the book. Except for like the, you keep doing this, Nineveh, I'm going to destroy you because i got to get rid of all this evil. He doesn't have anger at Jonah. He doesn't have anger at the sailors. Like, God's anger is not forefront. I read that in, but it doesn't say it. God uses Jonah where he's at. There's great promise for us in that. It says in verse 16, Then the man feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord and made vows. And the word fear there is more about belief than it is just cowering. Like they put their life and their trust in him, and they turned. Verse 17 says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. <laughs> well, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I did, because I went to Sunday school as a kid, and everybody sees that coming now, right? But God sent a fish to swallow a guy who had just run from him, and a, God had used a storm to grab their attention and say, Wait, I'm not done. He gets thrown off, and that should be the end of the story for Jonah. Except it's not. Like, I, I want you to see, one of the things that God is doing in opening up my eyes is when you run from God, you can't. When you run from God, you actually don't. He follows you. When you run from God, he's right there. And he's not done. He's not done with you. So Jonah goes off into this sea. He's like, hold up, this isn't the end of the story. Fish swallows him. And chapter 2 is Jonah's prayer to God. If you've got time today or this week, I want you to read Jonah. One, two, three, four. Chapter 2 is a beautiful prayer, song, poem to God, talking about how Jonah, as he sunk in the waves, felt his life slipping away. And when the fish got him, he knew, this is God. God is saving me. And I have... I'm thankful. And he closes his prayer. He says, I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. God saved me. I'm grateful. I'm going to live in that. And then the fish burps. And Jonah ends up on the, on the shore. 
And then chapter 3 says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I love it. I love it. Jonah hears from God. He runs to the end of the world to get away from God. And God comes back and he calls a second time. Like, hey, are you done running? That's not working. You want to do this? And there's this pattern, like to run from God, or like Habakkuk did, to run to God in the midst of struggle. To face into God. And then Jonah, I think, does this thing where he changes from running from to running to to now running for. Okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go. And here's, here's the only recorded formal words of prophecy. Jonah shows up in Nineveh. He walks a day's journey into the city. Huge city. Lots and lots of people. He walks a day's walk in. And he says, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all he says. That's all he's got to say. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. And the king even hears about it. And he joins in. And he said, whoa, we got to stop this. Like, 40 days and you're going to get destroyed. That's all Jonah has to say. And it's powerful enough. God's voice through this reluctant guy was powerful enough to change a city. That's power, right? What does that say about you? What does that say about me? Like, God wants to do stuff in and through me that I can't even imagine. And he wants to do stuff in and through you that you can't even imagine. And it's not about you. It's just about you opening up your life to him. To recognize I can't run far enough away from God that he'll leave me alone. He will keep pursuing me. He will not let me go. He won't write me off. He will follow me all of my days because he loves me. He's not just like, Jonah, you're the only guy I can trust with this mission. Like He pursues Jonah because of the invitation. And Jonah finally says, okay, I'll do it. And eight words is enough. Eight words is enough. What do you see, what do you see so far in uh, this first three chapters of Jonah about the heart of God? He calls to Jonah and Jonah runs and he follows. He uses a rebellious prophet to save sailors. Like, fine, I'll use you where you are. And then he calls again. He doesn't give up on Jonah. And he says, I want to do this together. And Jonah says, yes. And Nineveh, who boasted in their cruelty, God is sending salvation. God is sending a warning to say, I don't want you to stay that way. The reason that he's sending Jonah is because he doesn't want the destruction. It's not like he's just sending Jonah to say, you're going to get it, just so you know. The reason he's sending Jonah is so that they have an opportunity to repent. They have an opportunity to hear what's coming and say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's God's heart. How's your heart for people? How's your heart for people who have hurt you? I'll tell another, like, real quick elementary school story. I don't know if I was in fourth or fifth or sixth grade. We had a really cool art room 
and we were cleaning up paintbrushes or something that day, and the faucets were turned on like high, all hot. And Eric was kind of the outcast in our grade and in our class and kind of a bully. He was kind of a, just a mean loner. And Eric and I were at the sink together, and he took my hand, and he forced it under the running water, and it burned. And I cried, because that's my theme. And I made sure that the teacher knew what he had done. And then he got in trouble. I was like, that's justice, man. Don't do that. I'll cry, but I'll tell. And I don't know what happened. Something changed in me at some point where I started to look at Eric a little bit differently. And I recognized that he didn't have friends. And I recognized that he didn't have great clothes. Like, probably had a little bit of a rough household. And so, like, I'm impressed with the fifth grade me. Because I don't know that I have that in me now. But I asked Eric if he wanted to come over for a sleepover. Like, you want to hang out? You want to do it? And he said yes. And then he did. And it wasn't awesome. But we hung out. And Eric never put my hand in hot water again. Like, relationships change things. My heart for him changed when I started to look at him. And not just his actions, but look at his heart. Like, how's your heart for people? Because we have this response when people hurt us to do like the Ninevite, like, no, bad. Now I'm going to completely lock you out. And that's not God's heart. God's heart pursues. God's heart reaches out again. And I will not tell you, go be dumb, like go be unsafe, or go back to your abuser, or anything like that. Right? Stuff needs to get called out. If you're being hurt, make sure somebody finds out. But I don't, in cases when it's not ongoing abuse, we still have this tendency to say, I'm going to distance myself from you, and I will not care. I'll actually have spite toward you in my heart. And God wants to change that. That's not God's heart. God, God has a heart for the Ninevites. So I want you to go and I want you to preach to them so they can be saved. I want to be with them too. When God saw what they did, verse 10 of chapter 3, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Chapter 4, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country. That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. I love this. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah's like speaking truth and worship right now. I know who you are, God. I know your character. I know you're for them. I know you want to save them. I know that whatever they have done, it's not enough that you would look the other way and say, disgusting forever, get out of my sight. But that you want them. And I know you called me to do that. And I know that when you called me to do it, if I said yes, you would do it because I know your character. And that's, I'm mad at that. 
because I think what they deserve is justice. Like, they deserve death. And I bet God said, you're right. You're right. But there's more. When we sing the song, Mercy Triumphs Over Justice, that doesn't mean we sugarcoat stuff. That doesn't mean we take consequences away. That means God is bigger than just retribution. God is bigger than consequences. Mercy triumphs over justice. And Jonah says, God, no matter what they've done, it wasn't enough to get away from you. And God says, you're right. You know that you're Nineveh? Like, you know that I'm Nineveh? Like, I got sin heaped up in me, and you have it in you. And it's not enough to get away from God. It's not enough that he would turn away from you. He chases you down. He'll put people in your life to send warnings, to say, you got to stop this. Because he wants you. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Nineveh should have died. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Because one day, Jesus would deliver the ultimate rescue and save not just physical lives, but all of us. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, everything about who we are, Jesus came to save. And you can't run far enough to get away from that. You do have the ability to say no. You can say no, but that won't stop God from pursuing you. He is coming after you with his love. He is coming after you. So there's two different layers. Jonah gets real mad with God, and like he gets angry, and he starts, he starts to pout, and he starts to whine, um, and he goes and he sits and he sulks, and God grows a plant up to give him some shade. And Jonah loves the plant, and then God sends a worm, and it eats the plant, and the plant dies, and Jonah's like, kill me now. Like, because if I go home, I might get killed. Or if the Ninevites realize it was me who said that, they might kill me. There might be still a few holdouts. Like, and God has this dialogue with him, which, like Habakkuk, God doesn't, doesn't reject hard conversation. Like, he doesn't say, sit down and be quiet. He just has it out with him. And God's question is, look at all the lives here. Like, did you make that plant? No. You care about that plant? I really do. Are you upset that that plant died? I really am. I wish I could die. That's how much I care about that plant. <laughs> and God says, God says, there's 120,000 people in this city. I made every one of them. Shouldn't I care about them and the animals? Like, I made the animals too. I don't want them to just get wiped out. Like, I care about the stuff I make. And I care especially about the people I create. And you're all mad at me. And I get it. But I want you to see my heart. I had a conversation with a friend 
He became my friend because I met him this week, okay? That's how deep our friendship goes. <laughs> but he was telling me about a time when he was growing up uh, down in the south when he walked by a, a, a playground with some guys playing basketball, and they were cor- cursing up a storm. And as he walked by, he kind of he shouted some words at him, Like, you guys need to clean it up. That is disrespecting God. You, you need to clean it up. And then he kept walking. Like, okay, I said it. And a little while later, when he was walking home, he noticed all those dudes from the basketball court sitting on a picnic table. He's like, okay, just keep walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. And then they saw him. They said, hey, you. Come here. He said, just keep walking. Just keep walking. And he said, come preach to us. No. And he just kept walking. And I'm studying Jonah. And then he, he shares this story. It's like, man, can I tell your story about Jonah? Because, like, there's this question in my life. What if you had done it? What if they had said Yes. And I'm not trying to be a jerk, like, yeah, shame on you. But, like, Jonah doesn't expect, well, he does. Jonah's just this reluctant prophet and saying, turn around. There's people all over our lives. What if they said yes to God? And I'm scared about sharing God with people because I don't want them to say no. And I don't want him to look at me like, oh, you're that guy on campus shouting condemnation. And so I, like, hold back. And I bet you do, too. Maybe you don't. But what if they said yes? Like, Nineveh, all of Nineveh said yes with eight words. It was enough. God was using it. And my friend got choked up. And he's like, I I think about that. What if they had said yes, and I just walked by? Not, so he's Jonah. God called him again. Not with those guys, but God is using him today. He wasn't done to say, okay, you said no to me. Fine, you're done. I'll move on to the next. God is using him today. If you're Jonah, and you have said no to God, it's not the end. It's just not the end. It's not the end for me. God keeps calling. And it's not the end for you. God keeps calling. He calls primarily you into relationship so that you can also then share that. So run from God or don't. Run to God. Run for God. But in the end, even when Jonah runs for God and God moves on his behalf, then he gets angry. And I would say the point is not to just run for God, but it's to run with God. To have a heart changed that reflects the Father's. That you see people the way God sees people. That you see people and you love because you've received that yourself. Not just something you conjure up in yourself and like, I should do good to others. But out of what you have received, When God calls you, he calls you to be with him. And when he calls you to do, he's calling you to step with him. Not just to go and be a robot that he says, do this, I will do that, do this, I will do that. But to walk with him where he's going. 
He invites us along. So if you've Jonahed, it's not the end. God is chasing you down. He will call. I think he is calling even today. And you can choose, however reluctant, to say yes to that. And know that God wants you to be with him and to step with him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the courage of Jonah. And even while he was running from you, he was honest. And even when he ran for you and was angry, he was honest. And I think you're telling us over and over and over, you don't require perfect people. You just want us. That's good news. God, right now, if there are people in this room who feel like Jonah, who feel like they've run from you, would you speak to them right now in this moment about how you're chasing after them, how you're coming for them, how you're pursuing them? If there are people who have said no to you because they look at other people and all they see is hurt, would you speak right now to them? Would you change their heart? Would you help us to see like you see? If there are people right now in this room who, quite honestly, they identify with the sailors or with Nineveh, having nothing to do with you, would you open their heart to how you're pursuing even them? Help them to turn to you. Help us all to return to you. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice, for your great love and your great victory. You bought us life and you give us life today. We thank you for it. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.